Cool. Well, hi, everyone. It's good to be with you guys tonight. And um, we are going through this series called The Way, and we're actually almost finished. We started this at the start of last year. We've been going through in chunks and kind of breaking it up. And this is the second last week, so we'll finish this next week. And as we've been doing this, uh, the idea has been we're saying we believe in Jesus, but, but we don't. it's not just an idea, but he's a real person, and he calls us not just to believe him, but part of believing him is following him. And he actually shows us the way to true life um, in his kingdom. And hopefully you've been, been tracking along with us and been going through this core block of Jesus' teaching called the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew. It's over three chapters. But when the Bible was written, it wasn't written with chapters. Like they just wrote what, the one big book of Matthew. It's just one thing. It's, there's no chapters. There's no verses. All of those actually added later on just to sort of help you reference things. So when you read the Bible, you... You don't just read chapter by chapter. Like sometimes there's a body of thought that goes over a few chapters, and the Sermon on the Mount's like that. It's actually Matthew 5, 6, and 7. It all goes together. So we're coming to the end of chapter 7, and it's actually the end of this long thought and long teaching that Jesus has been giving, which is about who's truly blessed, what it's like in his kingdom, what does it mean to have a heart of love for God and others, what does it look like to live by faith, not trusting in wealth or in popularity, but in, in God. And then the other week we talked about not judging. Last week about prayer again. And now what we're up to is that he's actually finished teaching for the most part. The, the, the key themes and the key body is actually finished. And Jesus is actually into his conclusion. So it's like when you get to the end of the sermon and you finish. And normally you finish the sermon with like a really nice inspiring story or like an altar call or something like that or some kind of response. But Jesus actually finishes his sermon with warnings, which is a bit of an intense way to finish. But it, it's, it's interesting. We're going to actually look at the warnings. We're going to look at two of them and then kind of look at one next week to finish. It's kind of a promise and a warning together. But we're actually looking at Jesus sort of taught all this, and he's going to give some warnings about taking him really seriously. And we might sort of think, well, that doesn't sound very fun. Like, that sounds hard. or that sounds scary. Um, but in actual fact, warnings are just a part of life. Warnings are good. Like, warnings are not something to be afraid of. Um, we see warnings all the time. Like, you, you're driving here, you probably saw lots of signs that were actually warnings. Maybe red lights, maybe orange lights. They're, they're there to guide us and to alert us to danger. You might go to a place and you might see a danger sign. And you know, okay, don't go over there. Or you might go to some place or the beach particularly and there's a sign up, there's, there's rips or there's sharks or there's, there's something on, you need to be aware, you need to be careful. So a warning is not meant to make you afraid. A warning is not meant to make you freak out. It's meant to make you aware. It, it means you need to have your wits about you. You need to be attentive and think and actually, yeah, there's some danger over there so I'm going to avoid the danger and I'm going to do the things that keep me safe. And, and warnings are part of life and particularly... Um, parents to, to kids will give them warnings. Hey, don't go over there. It's actually an act of love because they, they care for them. So the, the idea is not to make us freak out when Jesus gives warning, but it's actually to realize that actually what he's saying is quite serious and there's, there's a need to be attentive and aware. So as we speak tonight, um, we're going to go through these first two warnings just as a sort of straight up like practical thing I've got for you guys to do tonight, just to sort of reinforce this a bit. I've got just a piece of paper and a pen. You can take one just and sort of pass around. You come, come around as you go. And just, I encourage you to, to tonight, as I teach, to take some notes. And for two reasons. First, first reason is that 
what Jesus, we've been reading through Jesus' words. We just sung about who Jesus is. And now we're going to read his words. And, and this is not just like a kind of nice entertaining talk. This is like reading the words of Jesus. Like this is important. Actually, when, when people come up to preach and to share the word, there's a real seriousness about it. it, it it's, we don't want to be like, like fully, like it's okay to be, have jokes and have fun, but it's also quite serious. So actually taking notes and being like, actually, I need to think, I need to be attentive. And actually, this is not just sort of some entertainment, but actually I need to think about my life and, and what Jesus' words mean in my life. So that's the first reason. The second reason is as we're going to go through here, Jesus is going to talk about people who do what I'm doing right now and people who teach, people who speak. And he's going to say, you actually need to be aware and attentive to them as well, that they're not leading you down a wrong path. So actually tonight, maybe as I'm speaking, you might even write down some notes and say, actually, I'm not sure about that. I might need to check about that. I might need to actually read the scripture and, and, and think for myself. So that's just a sort of practical example. Maybe, maybe you already take notes. Maybe you'd rather do it on your phone, but just to sort of engage with this. So we're going to look at these warnings of Jesus. We're going to break, break it down. You might have heard some of these passages before. Try and make it um, make sense and then bring some application as we go. So, um, yeah, those, those things will keep coming around, and then let's just pray, and then we'll get started. Jesus, we just thank you that, that you're present, that you've been present with us in our worship, um, you're present in us by your Spirit, and, and we thank you for your Word, um, your Word that you give us to show us the way to life. Um, we thank you that you even love us enough to warn us about things to be aware of. So God, we just ask for an attentiveness tonight, um, an openness to your spirit. And Father, I pray that there wouldn't be any fear or condemnation, but, but an attentiveness and a trust in you. Uh, so God, we just ask that you'd have your way tonight by your spirit in your name. Um, we just pray against distractions, God, for an ability to focus um, and hear what you have to say to us in your name. Amen. Okay, so we'll just go through. This is, this is getting towards the end of Matthew 7, so last few paragraphs. It says this, Matthew 7, 13. Jesus, so he's finished his body of thought. These are the warnings. He says this, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. So Jesus is going to give a few sort of pictures and, and, and metaphors. And this one is about two gates and two roads. So there's a, there's a gate that's wide, it's really open, and there's a road that's broad, or some translations say easy, and there's a gate that's small, and there's a road that goes out of it that's narrow, and some translations say it's hard. And lots of people go the wide, and not many people go the small. And what I'm going to call this first warning is it's the way warning. You can say the gate warning, that Jesus is actually presenting a, a choice. Like he's come to the end of his sermon, and, and he's not just giving an inspiration, but he's actually inviting a decision. And he's actually describing the reality that actually we've heard his words, but now there actually needs to be a response and a choice. And there's two choices. One choice is to go the broad way. One choice is to go the narrow way. And actually we need to decide. And actually we'll see that you can't avoid deciding that the, what you decide to do shows what your decision is. So Jesus is alerting us so that we make an intentional decision. So what are these ways? He's given us a way of two choices. What, what, what does he mean by that? Firstly, he says about the wide gate. 
It says to enter the narrow gate. So the narrow gate's the good gate. This is the one Jesus wants us to take. But the other one is wide. And the way is broad. And it actually leads to destruction. So again, there's a seriousness to what Jesus is talking about. That, that, that he's talking about life and death. He's talking about important things. This, if you can picture this, it's, it's imagine back um, in Jesus' time, you're like approaching a city and you, there's like a big entrance to the city and a big gate. It's broad and that's where everyone goes in and there's a path that's really wide and the crowds can fit on it and everyone walks through it. It's kind of like the main street and that's kind of just the place that everybody goes and that's the easiest way to get in. It's simple. You just kind of get drawn along. Now, we don't have that today, right? Like we, we drive to places or to cities. We don't really have gates around our cities and, and so forth. But we have today uh, escalators. And I feel like in some ways, an escalator is a good picture for what Jesus is talking about as the broad way. Most people take the escalator. That's the popular way. It's the easier way. Escalator, you just hop on and it just carries you. You don't have to do any work. You don't have to put in any effort. It just takes you this direction, the direction that most people are going. It's comfortable. It's easy. It's simple. And in many ways, what Jesus is saying is that the broad way is the way where it's just like, just go with the flow. Just, just do what you feel like. Just go with what everybody else says, what everybody else thinks. Just go with the majority. Just go with the way that's easiest and, and, and seems simplest and sort of fits me the best. Um, Dallas Willard says, the broad gate is simply doing whatever I want to do. Actually, just whatever I feel like, whatever I like, whatever is comfortable, whatever is easiest, actually, we just hop on the escalator and it just carries us. But Jesus is saying, in a serious warning, that seems like a good idea, but actually, the end result is not. Actually, the end result is that leads away from God and the life that Jesus has just described over the last few chapters, what it looks like in a kingdom, to sort of just, just hear what he says and kind of just neglect it and then we just sort of go our own way, go with the crowd, whatever anybody says, is actually to move away from the way of Jesus, which he's just presented is the way of life. So th- this, this broad gate is, is, is sort of just the popular crowds, what it, what, what's natural, what comes easiest. Alternatively, the small gate which Jesus says to enter, enter the narrow gate. The small gate, I think, as one commentator, and I think summarizes well, is Jesus himself. Jesus is actually, again, claiming here, like he does other places, exclusivity. Jesus unapologetically claims that he is the Son of God, that there's no way to the Father apart through him, that his words well, later he'll, he'll talk about are the words by which we are judged, that he's actually the saviour of the world, that, that it's him. Like, the small gate is Jesus. Whereas often we might sort of think, well, Jesus has some good ideas, but, but other people have good ideas, and we sort of just compare them and, and, and shape them. But, but no, Jesus is saying, enter by the small gate, by, by trust in me. Put your confidence in me, in my death, in my resurrection. So we enter the small gate, but we don't just enter it, but then we follow the narrow road, which is discipleship and following Jesus' way, which he's just been talking about. He's been talking about what does it look like to live in the kingdom? What does it look like to forgive, to have a heart of love, to trust and rest in God? And Jesus is saying that's the way to life. And it's actually, in a sense, a narrow way. It's not just whatever we feel like. It's actually realizing what Jesus says and trusting 
and following and obeying him. And he says that in this, this instant, only a few find that way. And I don't think this is really primarily talking about like how many people are going to be saved or something like that. That's, that's not so much the point. The point is the majority way is the broad way. To go the narrow way is often to be in a minority. And Jesus is presenting a truth, a, a choice, two choices, an easy majority broad way, actually another way, his way, which will often be not in the majority. Instead of an escalator, I figure this is more like an ancient staircase. It's, it's, it's not obvious. It's not where everybody else is. It's, it's not as easy. It requires concentration and focus. It requires actually it's somewhere else. You've got to find it and you've got to follow it. And actually Jesus is inviting us to make a decision to follow his way, to trust him and to walk the narrow way. I've said the way warning is that the way of Jesus is not obvious and is often in contrast to the way of the majority. That Jesus is, is saying, he wants us to take his word seriously. And he's really saying that, that you need to actually make a decision about me. And then you need to make a decision to follow me, even though it will be different to what maybe most other people say. Maybe what's on TV or the news or maybe certain podcasts or books, like lots of people are giving good advice about life. But Jesus is saying, well, that, that's all good, but the narrow way is to follow me. So what do we do with that? What do, how do we kind of respond? Actually, I've got a quote here before we get to that. This is from the message. You kind of, Eugene Peterson summarizes this in a really good way. He says this, don't look for shortcuts to God. The market is flooded with surefire, easygoing formulas for a successful life that can be practiced in your spare time. This is like, there's all these great books, there's all these great podcasts talking about a good life, but Jesus is saying, no, not the broad way. Don't look for all that stuff. Even though crowds of people do, the way to life, to God, is vigorous and requires total attention. There's a need to focus on Jesus and trust him and actually often go against the crowd. So what do we do in response to that? There's a couple of applications I think we can, we can take from that. The first one is Jesus is saying an intentional decision is required to believe in Jesus and follow his way. He's actually inviting a decision. We not just hear his words, we make a choice. And it, I think the, an implication is that the only way to be in the small gate and on the narrow road is to decide. If you don't decide, the natural place to be is the broad, easy road. That's, that's where we will just go. To, to not decide is to be there. What's required is actually a decision. Jesus knows a decision to trust him and decide to follow him. And actually, that, that's, that's what he's inviting us to. And maybe if, if you sort of thought, I've never actually made a decision to, to trust Jesus and to follow him, then, then, that, then that's, that's, he's, he's, op, he's bringing that about, like an invitation to actually do that. It's actually a choice is required. Jesus invites his hearers through this warning to take him with a final seriousness and to decide every day to follow him all day long. And again, this is the thing. It's not just a one-time choice, but a daily choice. Actually, Jesus has given us the way to life. I'm going to trust and follow him, what he says in his word, where he's leading me by his spirit, and, and take him seriously. Secondly, I think the implication of this is that to follow Jesus, there needs to be a willingness to go the unpopular and probably harder way. 
He's actually presenting two choices and he's being upfront, like we said the other, the other week, that actually his way is probably going to be unpopular, <laughs> is, is potentially going to be harder, like doing just whatever you feel like, whatever's popular is a lot easier than going against the crowd, than trusting Jesus, than submitting to him, than battling against desires that are not in line with his kingdom, which are against walking the way of obedience. There's a, there's a need to go a way that's unpopular and a bit harder. Now, with that, though, there's a balance because we, we, could, we could go too far and say, oh, it's just so hard to follow Jesus. But other times Jesus says, my yoke is easy and my burden's light. And life with Jesus is, is good and not burdensome. It's, it's joyful and it's fulfilling and it's meaningful. But there is an element to it that it's, it's, it's the harder way. There's, there's a focus and a, an intention, a trust that's required. So the way of Jesus is not obvious and is often in contrast to the way of the majority. Therefore, a choice to believe and follow him needs to be made and daily, a daily choice to trust and follow Jesus. So that's the first warning, the, the way warning. And the next warning is, is linked to this. I'll read these next verses, and, and I think it will make sense. I'll just read through them all, and then I'll... Then I'll We'll sort of give some explanation. So this is a few paragraphs. It says this. Watch out for false prophets. So again, watch out is like beware, be aware. False prophets. So prophets are people who speak for God. I think, again, Jesus can be talking about anyone speaking for God, teachers, pastors, podcasters, authors, all, all types. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit, you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. It's a bit of a tongue twister. <laughs> every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. So Jesus is here giving another couple of pictures, um, metaphors. And what I think this is, is a guide warning or a prophet warning. And it makes sense when you think about it that the first warning is to make a choice, to stay focused on Jesus even, and be aware that the, the, the temptation will be to pull away to an easier road, the way the other people are going, the crowd, no, no, stay focused on Jesus because his is the way to life. So that's the first warning and we make that decision to follow him. And the guide to do that is Jesus. Like Jesus is the one we follow. He's the true prophet. He's the guide, but at the same time, there's people that we look to to help us to follow Jesus, to teach us and to grow us, like exactly what I'm doing right now, that I'm explaining Jesus' words. There's people who do that, and, and we call them teachers, maybe prophets, but I've just sort of summarized this in, into a guide, some, some guide who will lead us how to follow, trust and follow Jesus. Now, it's really important then that we, we need to be aware of the way we choose, but then we need to be aware of the guide because if the guide is not leading us down the right way, we're in trouble. Does that make sense? The guide is related to the way because if a guide says that they're leading us down this path to Jesus, but they're actually leading us to the broad path, there's a problem. And Jesus is saying that that's actually going to happen. This is kind of a bit intense, but it's a warning that he's giving us to be aware. So he says, watch out, be aware for false prophets. So false guides, people who claim to be Christians who are leading us down the narrow path of Jesus, 
but they're false. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they're ferocious wolves. So Jesus is saying that they're going to look like this. They're not going to look dangerous. <laughs> they look really cute. Like, they're going to look nice. They're going to look Christian. There's people who are going to just say the right words, seem to have Christian behavior, seem to be really nice and really genuine and really loving, but it's all on the outside. It's external. It's, it's just appearance. But he's saying that actually on the inside, they're actually dangerous. They're actually wolves. They're actually not just harmless, innocent people that are leading us down this path, but they're actually on the inside, dangerous. And actually, we're looking to them to lead us down the path that Jesus is calling us down, but actually, they're not following him. They're on this other broad road, and they're, therefore, they're dangerous guides because it's deceptive. They're actually going to pull us away from the way to life that Jesus has just presented. So he's saying the external, don't just look at the external, but realize the internal, actually the heart, and what's actually going on might be different to what is on the external, what, what appears to be. So what do we do then? Because it's like, well, how, how do you tell? And again, this is not to freak out, but it's just to be aware that this, this is going to happen. Therefore, we need to take Jesus' words seriously and, and listen and be attentive. So he says this, another picture of trees and fruit. And he says this twice in this passage. He says, by their fruit, you will recognize them. He's saying, there'll be people who look Christian, but they're actually not leading you down my way. By their fruit, you will recognize them. And then he gives this, these pictures. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes? It's like, no, grape, thorn bushes don't produce grapes. If you pick grapes, it's not a thorn bush. Or do figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. Good tree cannot bear bad fruit. A bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Then later at the end, again, he says, by their fruits, you will recognize them. So Jesus is saying, well, we don't just look to the outside appearance then when we're thinking about the guides who are, who are leading us to follow and trust him. We look at the fruit. Well, what is the fruit is the, is the question. And I think what makes the most sense is that the fruit is evidence of their life being on the narrow way, trusting Jesus, knowing Jesus, and living a life of following him and discipleship to him, which looks like obeying and living out his commands. It actually looks like character, true Christian character, that the person who's, who's claiming to speak as a guide is actually on the path trusting Jesus themselves, and it's actually evidenced in their life, not just in some external behaviors or not just in speech, but actually when you look at their life, you can see that actually, yeah, they are growing to be like Jesus in their heart in their life, in their character. I don't think this fruit is really talking about ministry success. And, and you'll see as we, as we go on, I think this fruit is more about obedience and trust and faith in Jesus, a heart that's actually living out the kingdom. This is what R.T. France says, profession is easy. Saying the right Christian words is easy. And even Christian behavior may be counterfeited. If someone can pretend to do the Christian things. But what a man or woman, person really is, will inevitably show itself by the way he lives. So not just behavior, but actually a way of life. What's the trajectory of the guides that you're looking to is life? Is it the narrow way of Jesus, trusting and following him? Or when you actually look at the way they live, are they on the broad road of just do whatever you want? 
do whatever works for me. Actually, Jesus works for me to make my life better, so that's why I'm with Jesus, but I'm not actually interested in him and what he has to say. Like, that, that's the thing to look at. So I've said here, the guide warning is that the way of Jesus may be in contrast to nice Christian guides. So again, Jesus wants us to follow him and not be distracted by the majority or other ways that may look easier. It's like, no, follow me, trust me. But he also doesn't want us to be distracted by Christians, Christian preachers and teachers who look and sound great, but they're actually leading us away from the path of Jesus. Do you, does that make sense? Like the focus is on Jesus. He's saying, be aware people will pull you away, but don't listen to them. Be aware that'll happen and focus on me. So what do we do in terms of, actually, no, sorry, we're going to keep going in this next section. So that, that's sort of the first part of, of this warning. But then Jesus almost takes this warning to another level. And, and the next passage sometimes gets interpreted as, as a separate thing. And, and some people interpret it that way. I think it makes more sense as still a part of the warning about gods and, and can relate just to, to other people in general. But I think it's Jesus is still talking about gods as we keep going. So he's given this base warning of the wolves in sheep's clothing. But then he goes on and talks about certain people who will come before him on the day of judgment. And Jesus is saying that I'm, I'm the one who will judge. And he says this, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. So I, I think he's still warning about false prophets. And he's saying there's going to be people who are guides, strong Christian leaders who use strong Christian language, like Lord, Lord. Like they, they believe, it, it, like they profess, should say, that Jesus is Lord. They use the right words passionately, but they don't do the will of the Father. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? So again, now, these are Christian gods who use strong, passionate language and who do powerful ministry works in the name of Jesus. And in this passage, Jesus doesn't say that they didn't drive out demons. The assumption is that these people actually did powerful things in the name of Jesus. They actually had powerful Christian ministries. But then Jesus says, I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Like this is, this is Jesus saying that it, it, these people appeared with strong language, appeared to have powerful works, but on the inside, they were not interested in Jesus. They were not interested in his way, but merely used him for them, themselves. They're actually on the broad road themselves. So it said that the way of Jesus may be in contrast to nice Christian guides and even some who have strong Christian language and have powerful ministries, which again, this is why I was saying, I don't think the fruit is primarily ministry because someone can have powerful ministry, but actually not trust and follow Jesus in their heart. That the fruit is actually, actually, are they interested in Jesus and his way? Or do they just have the external, they look good and maybe even external success, but actually they're not following and leading people on this way. They're on the broad way. So this is a guide warning. So what do, what do we do with that? How do we respond to that? I think we need to think critically and be discerning with Christian guides. Again, this is not saying to freak out. <laughs> it's not saying to just, just be paranoid all the time. 
But it's a need to think critically, to, to beware. It's a warning. It, needs to, it means to be discerning about who are you looking to to lead you on the path of life, which is the path of trust and following Jesus. Who are the voices that you're allowing to speak and to listen to? And actually, so firstly, I think, to think critically about who you listen to, but then to even think critically about the people that you listen to. And which is, again, is why I said today, I've given you paper to write. And I encourage you, not just this week, but always to think critically about everything that I'm saying. Because I will say things that are wrong. Like, I will make mistakes. I will sometimes emphasize something a bit too much that, that maybe then sort of puts things out and it's a bit off. Um, I might interpret something slightly wrongly. There's actually a need um, for, for whenever you're listening to somebody to listen to them, but also to be thinking, well, actually, does that line up with Jesus? Because Jesus is the guide, and these other guides that I'm looking to are helping me follow Jesus. So if they're at odds with Jesus, I go with Jesus. <laughs> does that make sense? So, so even... even and, and, and particularly in, in church. And again, this is not saying be hypercritical. This is just saying be aware, be thinking, be discerning with Christian guides. And the way to do that is to look at the teaching, their character, and their relationship with Jesus over appearances to just what they look like on the outside or even success. So you're looking to who are the guides that are going to help me on the way you don't primarily look at, well, do they look good? Do they look or seem Christian? Or do they kind of tick some of those boxes? Or do they have big churches? Or do they have lots of ministry success? Like, not that those things are bad, but the primary thing is their teaching. Is it in line with Jesus' teaching? Their character, are they following Jesus' teaching? And actually, do they have a relationship with Jesus? That's, that's the most important thing. So a couple of ways just... To, to think through, particularly the teaching. I just want to give you a couple of tests and, and things to think about in terms of guides and, and, and maybe even guides that you're listening to now to help you on the way of Jesus. John Mark Comer um, from Portland asks these questions, which I think are really good. He says this, Is this person's teaching moving my heart to obey Jesus' teachings? So again, the, the goal is to follow Jesus. Are they helping me to follow Jesus? Do they make me want to do the will of the Father? as it's laid out in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? Or do they make me doubt or play loose and free with interpretation or explain things away in order to kind of justify me doing what I want? Like the guide that you're following, are they encouraging you to follow the way of Jesus? Or are they actually kind of on the broad way and actually pulling you away from that? It's a good question to be asking. Um, Dale Bruner, as well, with this idea of the gate being coming in through faith in Jesus, like we're saved by grace, through faith we trust Jesus, but then we follow him and live out life in the kingdom, the way of life. He gives these two tests, the idea of a gate test and a road test. He, he says this, the first is the doctrinal or gate test. He says, do they encourage faith in Christ alone, the narrow gate, or do they lead others into everything else? Like the guides you're listening to, do they, are they upfront about the exclusivity of Jesus, that Jesus is the way, Jesus is Lord, that we come to the kingdom through putting our confidence and trust in Jesus? Or do they kind of just say, well, there's lots of ways to God and there's lots of different options and there's all different religions and we're not really sure. All do they kind of pull away from that? Because that, that's a red flag. The gate, Jesus is saying there's a narrow gate to enter into it. 
Secondly is, is the road test then on the narrow road. He calls it the ethical test. And this is, do they teach or ignore, make important or unimportant, live or evade the road of Jesus' hard social commands? For example, by false appropriation of Paul, say that grace is all and obedience is not important. So, so do they teach us to follow and trust Jesus and take his word seriously? Or do they say, well, no, nah, we're saved by grace. Like, it doesn't matter what you do. You can just do whatever you want. That starts to sound a whole lot like the broad road. It's actually saying, no, Jesus is not serious about this. Actually, just do what you want. Whereas it's, no, Jesus has, we're saved by grace, but do we continue to sin? No, is what Paul says. Absolutely not. Like, that's the way to death. We follow Jesus on the way to life of trust and faith in him. And this is not at all talking about earning or works. It's talking about life, life in Jesus, following him. And his grace empowers us to obey and trust and live a life with him. So we think, well, are are the guides that I'm looking to, are they leading me that way or are they pulling me away from actually following Jesus on the narrow road? So we need to think critically and be discerning with Christian guides Look at teaching, character, and relationship with Jesus over appearances or just success. So I've said two warnings. We're going to look at one more next week. But Jesus is finishing this sermon again. And, and, and I think in a lot of ways, the, the warnings are a warning to take Jesus seriously, to, to focus on him, to believe him, to not just hear and sort of just think that was nice, but to realize that actually he's talking about life and death. He's talking about important things. The first is the way warning, the choice to make a decision to follow Jesus' way or the broad way. And then to be aware of the guides and make sure the guides are helping us follow Jesus' way and not the broad way. So what do we do with that as like a whole response tonight? Because there's probably a couple of ways we can go wrong. And I already sort of alluded to it a bit. Well, one way we can go wrong is, is to freak out. <laughs> is to get paranoid, to get afraid, to start looking at false prophets on the internet and then posting blogs and like just, just go nuts down that way. And, that, and that's a fear response. And, and there's people that do that. And, and I think in a lot of ways, the interesting thing is Jesus doesn't say what to do with the false prophets. He just says, beware. He just, he just says, this is going to happen. And, and I think in a lot of ways, it's so that we don't get distracted off his path. And there's a place for maybe naming people and, and, and things. But for the most part, it just says, beware. So a fear response actually distracts us from Jesus. And that's, that's the issue. So a fear response is not helpful. Another response, though, might be to sort of say, nah, this is just a bit too serious. Like, I didn't come here for this. Like, I just want to relax and have fun. And I don't follow guides. Like, I don't follow people. I just, I just figure stuff out by myself. Like, like, but that's not true. Everybody follows somebody. Everybody is following somebody or is a disciple of somebody. And if, if you say that you're a disciple of nobody, it's probably of the majority. It's probably whoever's influencing. You're almost more vulnerable to be influenced by people. So there's actually a need to think, actually, well, who am I going to let influence me? Because they will influence me. But I have some control over who I let and who I follow and who I trust. So... So we don't want a response of like, nah, this is not important. We don't want a response of fear. We want a response of, yeah, let's be attentive and aware, but stay focused on Jesus. And I think in some ways, when there's a warning, a good thing to do is a check. Like you think, oh, okay, there's a warning. Well, okay, am I safe? Is things all right? 
So I think tonight there's an invitation for us to do a couple of checks. So the first check I'm calling is a direction check. And this is just an invitation tonight to, to think, actually, Jesus is presenting me with a choice. Have I decided to follow him? Or have I just heard his way and actually I've, I've never made a decision? As I said before, if we've never decided to go his way, we probably aren't going his way. It takes, it takes a decision. And maybe today, tonight is an invitation to say, actually, yeah, I, I believe Jesus. I trust him and I want to follow his way. Even though it might oppose others, it may be the majority. I'm going to trust him and follow him. So direction check. And maybe if we have decided to follow Jesus, to, to reflect on our life and say, well, actually, if I think about my own life, is, is it going that direction? Is it, is it growing in faith and relationship and obedience to Jesus? Or if I think about it, I was going that way, but actually my direction's kind of shifted and I'm more going down the broad, easy, majority, wide road. And actually, maybe I need to check my direction tonight and reset it that is focused on Jesus. So just a check, an opportunity to reflect. I think with that then, and hopefully we make the decision to trust and follow Jesus. We say, we want to go your way. You're, 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 you're the son of God. We just sung about how great you are, and you're saying that your way is the way to life. So we trust your words, and we want to trust and follow you. We want to go his direction. Therefore, maybe tonight, another invitation is a guide check. I think, actually, who are the people that I'm looking to, to lead me down the path of Jesus? Who are the pastors? Who are the teachers? Who are the podcasters? Who are the authors? Who are the YouTubers that, that I'm actually letting influence me and guide me as a Christian? And are they actually leading me on this path? Or do they just appear to be? But in actual fact, when I think about it, they're leading me down the broad way. And actually, I need to check that. So an invitation to think, well, who, who are you following? And hopefully it's Jesus. Who are you following to lead and help you follow Jesus? Are they following Jesus? Is basically the summary of the sermon tonight. Like that, and, and, and not just what they say they are, but actually are they? Because that, that, that's what really matters. So direction check and a guide check. So maybe just some time to reflect and think about that throughout the service or maybe later tonight or this week. And again, as we finish, I just want to re restate that this is a bit of a heavy message. And again, serious. But the point, again, is not to be, make us afraid. And the point is not to make us fixated on the warnings. Because if you're fixated on the warnings, you're not fixated on Jesus. You're not trusting and focusing on Jesus. And the warnings are there so that we don't get distracted from Jesus. But maybe we find that we do. Maybe even after tonight, we realize, oh, I'm just starting to get afraid and I'm starting to think about all these dangers and these warnings. Or maybe we think about our lives and we think like, well, actually, I have been pulled down this broad way and I, I've kind of been moved away from it. And there's a story that kind of, I thought, that relates to this a bit. It's the story of Jesus walking on the water to Peter. And Jesus is the Son of God. He has this power. He walks on water, no problem at all. Jesus, Peter sees Jesus and has this faith. He sees Jesus. His focus is on Jesus. And he says, can I come out and walk on the water with you? And he says, yeah. And, and Peter starts walking on the water with Jesus. He's just got this faith and this focus on him. But then it says, he saw the wind and he was afraid and he began to sink. Peter realized there was some dangers. And, and he didn't just say, okay, yep, there's a danger. I'm going to stay focused on Jesus. He saw dangers 
and he focused off Jesus, and he started to sink. And maybe that could happen to us. We start to freak out about the warnings and go away from Jesus, or we start to realize actually we've been pulled by false gods away from Jesus, or we've been pulled by just the majority away from Jesus, or the easy option away from Jesus, and we realize we're starting to sink. What is the response? It's the response that Peter has, which is to set ourselves back on him. He said, Lord, save me. He cries out to Jesus. He sets his mind and focus back on him. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? Jesus rescues him and calls him to stay focused in faith on him. When they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the son of God. That actually, that's what is important is recognizing who Jesus is, worshiping him, trusting him, taking him seriously. And these warnings exist so that we can do that. He's calling us, take me seriously, follow me, worship me, love me. Don't listen when people pull you away. Don't listen even when they look really Christian, that people pull you away. Stay focused on me. That's the invitation tonight, to, to, to focus and trust and to walk and to follow him. Because he is worth that. He is the light of the world. He's alive from the dead. His way is the truth. If he says who he says he is, then he, we talked about this the other week, then he is the center of our worldview and life and everything is, is built around him. He is the sole authority on all things. And, and we have what he says in the word. So we trust and base our lives on his word as we follow him and live out his way. So we're going to pray. And we're going to come to communion. As we come to communion, again, we just, we just recognize that as Jesus gives warnings and Jesus gives the way of life, it's completely in love that he's demonstrated his love for us by giving his life, by dying in our place. He's the king with scars. So we come tonight, we take his body, we take the biscuit, we dip it in the juice, his blood, and we recognize his commitment to us, his love for us, an opportunity tonight to recommit to him and say, Jesus, I believe you. I want to follow you. I love you. Help me not get distracted by others. I'm going to go your way, even though it might be harder and unpopular, because you're worth it. So tonight is an opportunity to respond as we do that. There's, communion, there's offering bags if you'd like to give as well. So I'm going to pray, and then let's, um, let's take communion, and we'll sing to Jesus to finish. Lord, um, we just thank you that you're so good, Jesus, that, that you love us and that you show us the way to life. You even love us enough to speak hard things, sometimes even discipline us or shape us back so we're on the way of life. And Lord, I just pray for a, maybe for some of us tonight a bit of a reset. God, a, a reset of direction on you, on, on following you, and maybe even a reset of guide that, that Jesus is the guide. Jesus is the prophet the Son of God, He's the one we follow. And Father, I just pray that you would grow that deep in our hearts and that others we look to to lead us would be people who are following Jesus and leading us to follow Him. So Holy Spirit, would you meet with us tonight? Uh, would you just have your way as we come to the table and, and, and just commune with you and with the living Christ? So Jesus, we just love you and, and worship you. And we pray, God, 
um, create in us a, a strong community of disciples who love Jesus. And Father, would you protect us from influence that would lead us away from you, that would call us down a broad road? Would you help us to be wholehearted and focused and dedicated and devoted to Jesus' way, to His life, to, to His what He has done for us and the life that we find in Him? So Lord, we love you and we just thank you and invite you to work with us in this time. In your name.